Hi everyone, just before we start this episode, wanted to drop in that it's our 100th birthday. Uh, we have been going for 100 years. Uh, time has flown. No, it's, it's our 100th episode. And so happy birthday to us. Thanks so much for sticking with us for 100 full episodes. And this is just the 100th. Have I said 100 too many times? It's no big deal. It's just 100. It's just 100. Just 100. 100. Roll the show. Hello. And welcome to another episode of No Such Thing as a Fish, a weekly podcast coming to you from the QI offices in Covent Garden. My name is Dan Schreiber. I'm sitting here with Andy Murray, Anna Chizinski, James Harkin, and a special guest making his second appearance, his first being as a secret track on our vinyl. It's Stone Sour and Slipknot's frontman, Corey Taylor. And once again, we've gathered around the microphones with our four favorite facts from the last seven days. And in no particular order, here we go. Starting with you. Corey. Oh, the honors, yes. <laughs> um, my fact is a million seconds is 11.5 days. A billion seconds is 32 years. So yeah. that is bizarre because just basically because of the vast difference, you yeah. think that a billion is a bit more than a million. And when we talk about billions and trillions, when you hear about trillion dollar debt or billion dollar debt, you kind of think they're essentially the same thing. And yeah. yeah. I know, I know. So I only just found out there's no zillion. I thought that was a thing. <laughs> <laughs> I'd always be like, billion, billion, zillion, not a thing at all. Well, yeah. it, it jumps to. I, I think there's like there's one in between, but there's a there's a Google and then there's a Googleplex. Uh, yeah. Is that right? Those yeah. are massive. Yeah. yeah, which are you know quite quite large. So a Google is one with a hundred zeros. Yeah, and a Googleplex is one with a Google zeros. Because you can't write out a Googleplex because there are more zeros than there are atoms in the universe. I think so, yeah. That's the yeah. problem. Yeah. That's, That's the problem for me. <laughs> Otherwise, <laughs> we'd all be doing it. That's why we let the computers do it. I mean, come on. You know. But so, wasn't it the case that billion in America used to be a different billion no, to... No, we've half copied America, but half not copied it. So a billion means two different things now. So a billion in America is a thousand million. And in the UK, it's generally a thousand million now, but also sometimes it's a million million. Yeah. So Since 1974, they officially had the standard where we have the American short billion now. Oh, I can only apologize. <laughs> Sorry. But it's a lot easier for us all to become billionaires. Well, I guess so. Yeah, yeah. that's why we all are. <laughs> Am I the only billionaire sitting at the stage? <laughs> <laughs> Do you know how long ago it was a trillion years ago? A trillion, trillion years ago. Sorry. I know exactly how long ago it was a trillion years ago. In up. seconds, please. <laughs> no, do you know how many a trillion seconds ago? How many years ago that was? No. So is that a, a thousand billion? Yes. Okay. So uh, it's 31,710 years ago. And that was about the first time humans started eating porridge. Wow. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's good. What a big day. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder what they ate up until that point. Oh, yeah. Breakfast, nothing. Breakfast, nothing. Breakfast, porridge. <laughs> yes, so we're things. still yeah. eating it. Yeah. Know, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm a billionaire. So <laughs> I, eat, you know, I eat meat carved right off the animal that's brought to the table. <laughs> Probably what they were having before they were having you porridge for breakfast. Before. Yeah, well, I was yeah. gonna say, you know, we've gone, you know, I've gone backwards. You know, I'm keeping it real. Was there any? Was there anything else that was going on then? Do you know, James? Uh, yeah, it was about the same time as the first um, cave paintings in Europe. Cool. I believe Bruce Forsyth was also born <laughs> oh, yeah. right around. The, hey, it's the one English joke I had. Yeah. All right. 
Such Sorry. a strong cultural reference. Yeah. So impressive. Hey, I know my thing. <laughs> what would be the American version of that? Someone who's like really old and you know. of of Bruce Forsyth. Yeah, mm. maybe. I, but I don't even know if he's still alive. Bob Hope. Bob Hope. Yeah, yeah. yeah. he has died. He, he did yeah. die. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he made it to a hundred though. Yeah. Although it turns out, I was reading this thing about Bob Hope that he actually lied about his birthday just for a sort of like he just knocked it a year younger. <laughs> he was only so, tw- he's only like twenty six. No, no. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, so he, I, I think just for some kind of reason, he knocked oh. it a year back. So secretly, he knew he'd hit 100. Yeah. But he couldn't oh. tell anyone. Oh. So then when he hit 100 officially in the country, they're like, happy birthday. But he would have been over it by then. Yeah, well, he's, oh, he's just greedy, isn't he? Whatever. He shot himself in the foot there. He I shouldn't knew have lied. Reason I didn't like Bob Hope. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, one of the great things the Buddha could do, apparently, according to Buddhist legend, is count really, really high. Really? Um, How high? He, well, super high, James. I'll tell you how high. A mathematician asked him, what's the highest number you know? And so the Buddha said, well, I know Uh, this number. That's a bit different. (laughs) (laughs) He could name it, though. He's the guy who probably came up with zillion in a panicked moment. (laughs) Like a zillion I can count up to. Right before he said gajillion. (laughs) And then the mathematician said to Buddha, what about a zillion and one? (laughs) Uh, In your face, Buddha. (laughs) And on this basis, a great religion was founded. <laughs> there was a really good article in io9, which I love, um, about why how we can't even comprehend this million billion, these massive numbers thing. Humans haven't evolved to comprehend them. Like when we were, you know, 3,000 years ago, 4,000 years ago, we didn't need to think about anything except people in our immediate vicinity. We didn't uh, have much astronomical knowledge, stuff like that. So we didn't have all these big numbers. So this article, it was written by uh, someone called, a mathematician called Spencer Greenberg, is talking about how you can make numbers be more manageable or make huge things seem more manageable um so like for instance the time thing is one so you say you could do this over a certain amount of time another one is breaking stuff down so if you say the u.s has uh, 17 trillion dollars of debt the best thing to do there is actually say that's fifty-four thousand dollars of debt per person yeah. see this is the problem because you say uh, how many how many dollars was it for every person in america fifty-four thousand. so i can't picture 300 million people which is about the population of the USA so that's where it all falls down unfortunately <laughs> <laughs> it's, true. it's a manageable it's amount true. of money for yeah, an unimaginable a lot of Americans yeah. can't handle 54,000 yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, in Germany after the war they had very very bad inflation and things started costing you know 10,000 marks and well, this is after World War One. Uh, yeah right? exactly yeah. Uh, and they had this mental disorder called zero stroke or cipher stroke where people just kept writing down zeros all the time because they just couldn't deal with these massive numbers really Whoa. and you would ask them how many kids do you have and they'd be like i've got 10 trillion children or how old are you i'm wow. 7 billion years old or wow. something wow. That's so interesting yeah. they just couldn't deal with these massive numbers wow in um 2009 zimbabwe printed a hundred trillion zimbabwean dollar oh, yeah. notes i have one do you? And it's worth like something ridiculous, like twenty pounds or something. I yeah, think. I think I bought mine for about a fiver. Nice. Okay, yeah. oh you got God. it on the cheap. James yeah. collects these kind of things though, just so he can pull things out of his wallet to impress you. J- yeah. James oh. literally has two tickets to the gun show. Like he literally has two <laughs> tickets to the gun show. I was in, I was in Florida and there was a gun show going on, and I didn't want to go to it, but I wanted the tickets, so I just bought some wow. tickets. I've actually been meaning to ask since you did that what a gun show is, and it's gone on so long that I just haven't now. Does everyone else know what a gun show is? You, you just go along and look at guns, and um, I think you sh- you can buy them. It's kind of a and- pageant yeah. for guns. Really. Do you dress them up? Yeah, exactly. yeah. Is it like Crofts yeah. for guns? A little more explosive, I mean, <laughs> if, I'm, if I'm honest. And the funny thing is, I, I have a house in Las Vegas, and there's kind of an 
there's almost like a perpetual gun show going on in that uh. in there because like and it's like this giant warehouse just full of wow. dealers who are just showing you AR-15s, M16s, wow. rocket launchers, minis like wow. and then there's then they have a range out back. So it's like, "Well, go test fire it." Before you buy it, you know, it's like a test drive for a car, you know. But you go out back. All right, here we go, and then it's just it's very loud. I'd be so tense all (laughs) the time. Funny thing is, they advertise it. They advertise for it at the airport. So you're on the moving walkway, and you're just grabbing. There's this chick with a gun and a bikini, and you're like, "Hey, that's a place to go." (laughs) I don't think they sell boots, but I'm sure they're working on it. Yeah. Las Vegas is very much the um, James's shirt of America. There's a there's a permanent gun show going on at all times. Quite, quite. Yeah, twenty four seven. Lock it in. Amazing. Um, this is an amazing thing. I can't believe I didn't know about big numbers. Yeah. So there have been two attempts in human history to estimate the number of particles in the universe. I think, or two that have uh, two big ones that we know about that have been written down. So one of them was by Archimedes. Uh, so this was. Uh, um, over 2,000 years ago. And he was estimating the number of grains of sand in the universe, actually, but now we know how many particles in a grain of sand. Arthur Eddington, 2,000 years later, estimated the number of particles in the universe. They came to exactly the same number. No, no. Really? Isn't that completely insane? Now, was so, he just kind of copying off of Archimedes? <laughs> <laughs> Why is he published weird? in ancient Greek, Mr. Eddington? Yeah, totally. <laughs> well, never mind that. Never mind that. <laughs> how pissed off would you be, though? When you realize you got the exact same number right? as Archimedes. Yeah. Like, it's like, kidding? really? This I, was five years. I think you would add an extra couple to the end. It's like 10 to the power of 72 plus seven. So yeah. it doesn't look like you copied yeah. him, right? Yeah. Well, there was a thing about Everest because yeah. they measured Mount Everest and they found it came to a really annoyingly round number. Is that right? Yeah. Do you remember this? So okay. is it actually not the tallest mountain in the world? Is it? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, that I, I don't know if I've said this on the podcast before. Last year was the first year that no one reached the top of Mount Everest in 41 years since that, it became a popular... Because all the Sherpas went on strike. Really? Uh, no, it was just the conditions were really bad. Oh. Um, because there were a few avalanches, they closed off a couple of routes. But they didn't close off like the extreme routes. And the last chance was in December. Someone got really close and then had to come back down. This is the first year. Wow. Really? Yeah. And it lost an inch last year from the uh, the earthquake. So, so, so you so think it would have been easier. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you tell me if Everest lost an inch. It lost well, an it inch. is quite cold. Yeah. <laughs> we know exactly what that feeling is like. It's like, it's really chilly, honey. <laughs> it is. I don't care. I'm not going to climb you tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, it's time for fact number two, and that is Chazinski. Yeah, my fact is that Star Trek was almost not commissioned because the pilot was considered too erotic. (laughs) Now, this fact entailed Googling the phrase Star Trek erotic, which is quite (laughs) dangerous. I see you have have a lot of paper there with you. (laughs) (laughs) So what's that? Well, so this was a a pilot called The Cage. Uh, That was the name of the episode. It was sent to NBC in 1964. And actually, I was very sceptical about how erotic it could really be because it's Star Trek, but it does sound quite raunchy. Um, It was uh, the uh, idea of the show was that a planet let out a call for help to the guys on the spaceship, on the, you know, Star Trek spaceship. And (laughs) I'm obviously showing how much I know about (laughs) the Star Star Trek Trek spaceship. (laughs) Star Trek. That was the original plan for the name of the ship. We'll see. 
And yeah, so they went down to this planet and actually it was a plant and there was a beautiful alien on this planet who seduced the Star Trek uh, spaceship crew members <laughs> and because she had to have sex with them in order to repopulate this planet because it was uh. suffering from, you know, a population crisis. So it was about someone being planted to seduce okay. Captain okay. Kirk, who wasn't Captain Kirk at the time. But, no, it was right. Captain Pike. It was Captain it Pike. It was Captain Pike. Was yeah. It? Uh, Didn't know Pike was in the... Yeah, then the, right. well, they brought it back because then they were able to use pieces of the original pilot in the episode I can't remember the name of it but it has to do with uh, Spock is on trial Captain Pike has been destroyed and he's in this chair and uh, Captain Kirk is testifying on his behalf and they keep cutting to uh, footage of the original pilot I was kind of a a Trek I I liked I wasn't a Trekkie but I I used to watch it all the time because it was on uh, in repeats so I watched it when I was a kid, you know, and uh, I was just fascinated by it. I was like, why does the future look so old? Yeah. You know, I mean, I mean, there's there's that used future look, and then there's like, well, Christ, that's like from the 70s. I read that the original plan for Mr. Spock, or one of the original things for the design of the character, was that he was going to not eat anything, and that he would instead he would have a, a plate in the middle of his stomach, and energy which struck the plate would be his food. Yeah. Wow. So he'd just feed off the, you know, if the great. cosmic radiation hits the so plate. So he'd be like, yeah. um, you know, photosynthesizing. I suppose so. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Sounds great. Sounds like a good idea. <laughs> it's James's dream. Yeah. yeah. Don't have to waste all this time having meals. Well, the other day, right. Dan, Dan was saying to me the other day, it's so relentless having to eat all the time. It's three meals a day. I can't believe we don't talk about it more. It's bullshit. <laughs> yeah. We're just, again, I need to feed this thing again. I know. We <laughs> have discussed this, and it's like my greatest joy, and I can't believe you want to take that away from us. I, just I love eating. Oh, yeah. Oh, I, yeah. I love it, but sometimes I'm just like, I just want a day off. Right. Yeah. <laughs> day off from eating. Yeah. That's, that's called the 5-2 diet. Oh, okay. yeah. There are products being developed, though, which are, um, I can't remember the name of them, but they are basically nutritious mush, which really doesn't taste it very much great. at all. <laughs> but it, it, Please keep selling us on this mush. Oh, wow. Yeah. Um, there is a sea slug that's managed to get genes out of plants so it can eat like an animal, but it can also photosynthesize. So I would like to get these plant genes into my body so I can sometimes photosynthesize as well. Wow, so while sunbathing, you're also eating, Yeah, basically. Yeah, you wow. get that is the dream, actually. <laughs> Thinking about it now. <laughs> it's not my dream. <laughs> I hate to sunbathe. I love to eat. It yeah. sounds awful. Um, my favorite thing I found out uh, about Star Trek generally, so created by Gene Roddenberry, uh, and there's a lot of rules. He wrote this kind of Bible for Star mm. Trek of what would be if you if you made an episode. My favorite one is that he believed that there was no chest hair in the future. <laughs> so, Captain Kirk, in all the shots where he's naked, they were shaving his chest because there is no chest hair in the future. <laughs> he thought ahead. He thought evolutionary. Oh, so it's yeah. not a fashion thing. In the future, he's not shaving it every day. He, he thinks, just doesn't grow it. He we thinks, just, yeah. much like the pinky toe, we would just phase that out. Because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> why not? Well, it makes sense. I mean, if you think about it, like, well, and I guess I'm the only one who can really recall it, but then when, Su- when the one episode where everyone goes a little crazy and Sulu's running around with the sword, Completely, you know, he's got a bald chest, right? You know, yeah. Uh, Spock, when he's fighting Kirk on the planet and they have to fight each other, bald chest, or maybe yeah. Klingons just didn't have chest hair. I'm not sure. No, Vulcans, 
Yes, they're right. God, what the hell was yeah. I? Uh, uh, you know what? Not I'm a real fan. <laughs> no. I'm walk away from the table now. But, I'll come back in a second. Dan has just saved us a lot of posts. <laughs> Never Dude, have so this. Cold cold you are. <laughs> the worst was when we had Daniel Radcliffe on QI and he got the rules to Quidditch wrong. No. Really? Oh my God, how many emails have we had about that? Well, okay. maybe that's why Potter won so many matches. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Screw the rules. <laughs> I'm a maverick. I'm ready. <laughs> uh, on the Vulcan thing, we have done this in a previous episode, but if you don't know it, you might like it, um, which is that uh, he was originally meant to be Martian. He was meant to be from Mars. Oh. But when they were writing the scripts and getting everything approved, the people at the studio said, we think you need to change it because by the time this series goes out and it's in its second series or something, we will have landed on Mars and we will have seen <laughs> Martians. And no, so, no, yeah, they yeah and, they, and they were like, and that would make your series just look ridiculous. <laughs> that. <laughs> he okay. also had um, red red skin at first. He was supposed to have red skin, Spock. And, oh, yeah. But then it was in black and white a lot of the time, and it turned out it looked like he just painted himself black, so he <laughs> couldn't have red skin. Oh, really? But also, on skin painting, in that pilot, um, the seductress, this woman who's supposed to seduce them all, is green. Um, and so she had to be painted in thick green paint, and it's quite hard and time-consuming to do that. And so that it shows up properly on camera, they filmed a test thing to see how it would work on camera. They sent it away to, you know, be re you know to be properly done they got the video back and she looked normal skin color and they were like oh my god this hasn't worked and so they went through it all again made it a bit thicker a bit brighter green sent the video you know sent the film away to get the video converted to get the video back um got it back again and they were like what is going on she's still peach colored with a tiny bit of green tinge and it turned out the color technicians when they got the film had gone well this is obviously an error they didn't mean to uh no. <laughs> something's gone wrong so here they the cup. so oh, they spent wow. they stayed up all night every time trying to make her skin skin colored again <laughs> Amazing. That's hilarious. James, didn't we do a thing about how early TV, early film oh, stars, yeah. did they wear green makeup? Oh, yeah. 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 They looked yeah. better on the black and white cameras. That's right. yeah. the, you know who did that? No. Max Factor. Really? That's oh, where the he? name Max Factor comes from. He was oh. like the greatest, at the time, he was the greatest uh, film makeup artist. Oh. And as they were starting to go from uh, like silent film to like the different... Uh, the the different types of film and everything it looked very oily very you know very just very much like they were just painted with a bunch of crap. yeah when they went to technicolor so yeah and so he spent hmm. I want to say two years developing what is now widely known as like the standard for uh, film makeup and and that's why and that's uh, after that he started his own cosmetics line cool. and that's where Max Factor comes from oh. that's awesome that's very yeah. cool. T.S. Eliot used to paint his face a tiny bit green, and no one really knows why. So maybe he was just desperately hoping for a film deal. Might have. Might have. <laughs> when are they going to bring the wasteland to Hollywood? <laughs> now, talking about Star Trek, before we move on, a lot of people probably don't realize that one of the first interracial kisses on television was between Uhura and Kirk. Yeah. And at the time was very, very risque. Yeah. And uh, they almost pulled it because the the censors thought it would be uh, too inflammatory. And honestly, they get they got a few letters, but other than that, really? Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, cuz yeah. they and it and the, I don't know if it was this is why they were able to pull it off, but they were both under the spell of I can't remember what the character's name was, but they were you know basically forced to do it. Mm. And that's how they were able to kind of uh, get it through. But uh, yeah, that, that was that was like the, the first interracial kiss oh, on, wow. on television. I read that uh, Uhura was going to leave, yeah. but then Martin Luther King like talked her out of it yeah, and said yeah. like, you know, you're a trailblazing kind of African-American woman who Like no matter what you think yeah. is happening, 
children watching you are seeing a black woman in space. Mm. And at the yeah. time, was so radical. Yeah. Yeah, you know? yeah, It's one of the things I give credit for Roddenberry. Like, he looked so... Fa- I mean, he was very misogynistic. Um. But he looked so far past color, religion, all he did. of that. You know? it was, and like, that was the theme of a lot of Star Trek episodes, really, yeah. wasn't it? It yeah. was like this strange other alien, which yeah. actually isn't that strange. Which yeah. is not, And it was yeah. weird, because like, a lot of the characters were not white in the 60s well, when no. that was a radical thing yeah. to do. Yeah, Mr. Sulu, you had, yeah, yeah. It just even on Chekhov, uh, the who was Chekhov. Russian, Chekhov. Russian. Yeah. at the time, right Russian. in the middle of the Cold War. Yeah. yeah. Just one last thing on censors, because yeah. I was reading about um, the history of censorship on American TV. Oh, boy. So... <laughs> In 1931, um, cows were not permitted in cartoons to have udders. Mm. They had to be pictured in a skirt. In a skirt. skirt. (laughs) This is 31. This is 31. What happened again later, because I found another source, a really good book called America's First Network TV Censor, which says that in 1958, cartoon cows were only permitted wearing... Uh, skirts. Was there a like a specific length of skirt they were allowed to wear? Like... Well, they weren't allowed to wear a mini skirt or anything like that. It had to be quite a floral, nice, loose, flowing number so you couldn't did... see their legs. And... Yeah, that's... Where did they put it? I think this is why then they said cows had to stand upright because yes. they at first had them on four <laughs> legs looks, and they had it halfway say. down their torso oh and then yeah. it touches the ground. It's that thing off the internet the other week about where do you put a dog's trousers? Like, do they go round all four legs or just the back two legs? Oh, yeah. Or what? If a dog wore trousers, if that is... If a dog is... wore trousers. Well, it would wear two pairs of trousers, wouldn't it? Yeah. Well, well no, you should have the told front... the internet two weeks ago because <laughs> they were all arguing about it. Um, That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so then even in 1940, there was um, a, a cow called Elsie, the Borden cow, who was a, a real cow uh, fearing in a live-action film. And they said the udders should be suggested rather than shown. <laughs> We'd rather see the bulge than the actual pattern. <laughs> <laughs> My country sometimes. Man, it was pretty, I swear it's to pretty God. weird. Okay, it's time for fact number three, and that is James. Okay, my fact this week is that the Swiss city of Lausanne has banned silent discos for being too loud. (laughs) (laughs) They're party animals in Switzerland. That's great, isn't it? So, why? They make a lot of noise, apparently, because while while you've got the headphones on and you're listening to music and it's supposed to be silent, a lot of people are just singing along or kind of... Bouncing oh. around or, or just I've shouting at each other. Have really? You, by the way. Yeah, they uh, at download. They have a special tent specifically designed for silent disco. Okay. Now I was wandering around the grounds one time trying to find one of the tents where my buddies were going to play. Yeah. Wandered into the silent disco tent and was assaulted by this. I mean, it's <laughs> it's full contact. Like it's like yeah, yeah. I mean, they're saying like wow. screaming, really stomping. Oh, it wow. was much louder. And then you look around, it's like these people are having fits. Like, what is happening? <laughs> I just backed out. I'm not turning my back on them. <laughs> Screw that. I mean, but the, I mean, they've got the lids on. You know, yeah. Giving it large, and I was terrified. I never went back. So I think we're saying that Los Santa's done the right thing. They are on the right track. I like a silent disco. You can have the music nice and quiet, and you can wander out if you, you know, you can turn it right down. I love it. It really suits me. <laughs> Everyone else is rocking out at download and Andy's listening to Radio 4. <laughs> um, and now the shipping forecast. <laughs> Woo! Dogger! Fairbank! <laughs> 
so maybe this we're saying this is a sensible thing. It seems that way, yeah. yeah. I wasn't really au fait with the silent disco, but it seems that, yeah, they're right. Oh, they're really good. But the thing is, you get people, because often they have two uh, DJs or even three playing different tunes. So people are dancing to different uh, rhythms and oh. different beats. So people, it's sort of, I think people care a bit less what they look like when they're dancing. You don't get as much kind of posy dancing. Yeah, because you, know. you could you could be saying, I'm, I'm totally in rhythm, by the way, to what I'm listening to. You just don't know that. It's yeah. not obvious when you're not dancing in tune yeah. or singing in tune, I guess. Hmm. Yeah. A lot of them have their eyes closed and they're constantly <laughs> running into each other. Wow. It's very, at different tempos. So it, it's like, it's honestly, it's like, it's like watching CCTV footage of like the damned just outside the gates, you know, just getting ready. <laughs> Do you know where Silent Disco comes from? No. Or when it comes from? So this is, the, well, the theory online is that it dates back to a 1969 Finnish sci-fi film called, uh, I'm going to mispronounce it as well, Russian Aya. Uh, which means time of roses, and people all wear headphones to a party, and that's the first hmm. uh, time it was ever seen in popular really? culture. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. And um, they were definitely listening to stuff because sometimes yeah. I didn't want to admit this, but I put my headphones on in the office so people don't talk to me. But I'm not actually listening to anything. Is that so? Yeah. Wow. Well, you've um, lost your advantage now. Were they you? doing that? <laughs> uh, they were all just like, "I'll go to the party, but I'm not speaking to anybody." Right. Yeah. Keeping my headphones but that's, on. That's online. really interesting because when was so 1969, and it's yeah. set in 2012. So when was the audio? Oh. Like, sorry, when were cassettes audio cassettes in? Oh, uh, 80s? Because what yeah. were they listening Late 70s? Yeah, because was headphones even a concept of a thing you It just held up yeah. a oh, gramophone. Yeah, absolutely. Really? In America, the giant headphones mm. have been around for quite a while. They kind of went hand in hand with the, the hi-fi system that were sold in like the early 60s. Okay. Yeah. The first ever jukebox was made by Edison, and he had some kind of music system, and there was like stethoscopes that would come down, and like five different wow. people would kind of put the stethoscopes next to their ears and listen. So that's wow. kind of headphones. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And they yeah. used to come with a towel that you could clean it after well before you would use it that's fantastic just so you wouldn't catch ear diseases ear off disease. people yes, yeah. those famous ear diseases <laughs> <laughs> there's a guy called George Foy who uh, lived in New York where it's loud and he had some kids who were making noise and he decided he would go on a quest to find the quietest place on the planet and he's obsessed with finding quiet places but he says and he's been inside the anechoic chamber oh, yeah. um, in, uh, in Massachusetts uh, Minneapolis in yeah. Minneapolis um, and he's clarified that you can't there is no such thing as silence and he said he found it really annoying going inside this chamber which didn't drive him mad like it drives other people mad I have read that the longest anyone's ever spent in an anechoic chamber is 45 minutes he beat that did he yeah because he was fine with it they actually had to kind of break the door down to get him out did they? he was just was having that? a great time what, did they not have a handle to uh, the door were... <laughs> <laughs> that's a design that was another, yeah, right? real issue <laughs> Wow, um, I've been to an anacho- I've been to a semi anechoic yeah, chamber. You? Yeah. Wait, what's a semi? What, what? Where there's some noise? Yeah, because that's a defeat. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was with you. Yeah, you were. Yeah, um, it's the echo. It's the lack of echo. So you can make noise, but it's just it won't bounce back at you. Ah. And so um, with this one, there was a floor which was just normal, and all the other walls were kind of um, had this special stuff that stopped uh, any echoes. And did it? Was it weird? Yeah, it was really weird. It was odd. Really, yeah. really weird. Yeah. Do you know the most <laughs> echoey place in the entire world? It's this massive oil tank in Scotland. It's in a place called Inchindown. And they they dug these huge oil tanks into a hillside during the Second World War to store millions and millions of gallons of oil because they need to fuel ships, yeah. which were uh, were moored at the nearest naval base. But they didn't want it to be at risk of bombers, you yeah. know, long-range German bombers. So they had to dig it into the hill. The only way to get in is through uh, one of these four tiny pipes. They're 46 centimetres across. So it's a squeeze. But when you get inside there, and they've got inside and tested it, 
And the way you test it, by the way, is firing a blank a pistol oh, wow. with bla- loaded with blanks <laughs> and, and see how long it and takes. See how long the echo takes. Yeah. Why can't you just say echo like right. any it's normal just, person it's does? It's a standard. It's just a standard way of doing it. There are um, there are more modern ways. Um, but the echo the echo in this chamber lasts 112 seconds. You're kidding! Wow! No. Oh my god! Oh, that's so no. cool. We played a place the other night. It was a uh, this this hall in Frankfurt in Germany, mm-hmm. and the delay in there was seven seconds long <gasps> because it was just so cavernous. Right? Wow! And even when you get people in there, like I mean, it's it's such a, a battle for us to dial oh in the sound yes. and everything to fight that. Wasn't that unbelievably distracting? Well, we bring it. We bring our own uh, our own PA system with us, so we're able to really control that. Plus, we have uh, probably one of the best sound guys in the business. Mm. He is able to really control that, you know. And he's he's spent so many hours and so many, you know, just he he knows how to really dial it in. Yeah, it was pretty intense. So that was seven seconds. That was seven seconds. And yours was I can't even one hundred and twelve. I mean, it's seconds. it's incre- it's yeah. incredible. That means yeah. it's just hanging there. Too. Yeah. yeah. I mean, and I mean, it's something like that. The decay rate has to just be and just oh, sick yeah. because it's just it's feeding itself, man. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'd love to go in there and do some vocals. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah like that would be I've fun. done I've done vocals at the bottom of a well before. Really? really? And, uh, yeah. I don't really recommend it because <laughs> you're wet. So was this part of like a plan or yeah, did you well, just we decide to do it? Yeah, we were recording some stuff for Slipknot and uh, we were recording out it was when we were doing All Hope Is Gone which was the fourth album mm-hmm. and uh, we were out at our uh, our, our buddy's uh, it was a place called Sound Farm. This was basically he lives there and he's got a studio there. So we were doing a lot of like experimental stuff you know just to kind of get away from like the, the Pro Tools plugins and everything mm-hmm. like that. It's like, let's try and capture something unique. So they 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 fished me down the bottom of this well because, you know, you had a, a proper well down there. It was deep, very dark. And of course, we waited until the sun had gone down to do it. And I was like, this was <laughs> oh. poor planning on our part. <laughs> um, but then we fished uh, uh, a Telefunken U87 down. And uh, um, I was able to, to kind of do it. And it was just this kind of spoken word thing that we were just doing again. But the... the the reaction just mm. that picked it up was really really cool wow. so i love cool. doing stuff like That's that like, cool. i'm all about it is it is it true because it's online this about you that your vocal range is That's the biggest uh, yeah, what was it? It's no second... it's not big it's uh it's in metal um apparently i have a pretty good range it's five and a half uh octaves yeah right. octaves um, but like that, but so, I didn't even know that to be honest. You know, like I was like, because uh, well, this just is a good thing sing. about the internet. It's like, well, if I can't sing that, but I can sing this. I mean, that's really that's the end of my gig. Yeah, you know? <laughs> but so that rate, the high range, the scream got you into getting a gig on Doctor I Who, can, right? Well, yeah. The, well, the low growl, really, right? Was really. what, what did it? Yeah. Um, and, and the guys who uh, directed it, Daniel O'Hara, who I just saw last night, he came right. to the gig. Mm-hmm. Um, they were he like he and a couple of the producers, a lot of the people that were like huge Slipknot fans growing up. And I was wow. like, yeah, all right. <laughs> and they were like, they they when we we played in Cardiff last year where they film, and they took us to the Doctor Who experience. So I'm just <laughs> freaking out, you know. Like uh, we were there for hours, and they were like, we gotta go. We have a gig. And I'm like, but no. You know? um, they took they took us to uh, uh, BBC Cardiff or BBC Wales, excuse me. And they walked us through some of the sets and everything. And then they were like, so we've got this idea. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> And it described the Fisher King, who was the, 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 the alien who I provided the screen for. And then uh, Peter, and I can't pronounce his last name, Seraph- Seraphinowicz. There it is. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for that. Because I, I butcher it every time I try to say it. Um, he did the spoken, the, the spoken voice. 
and oh. I was the I did the growl, so it was kind of a cool mashup Ooh. of, of nice. a duet. Yeah, duet. basically, essentially. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I let him take the lead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He's pretty good. Still, uh, but yeah, so I just I went I screamed for about forty five minutes, and they were like, "We've got plenty." That was it. <laughs> and I went and did the gig. We actually so. only asked for three seconds, but yeah. thanks for <laughs> uh, you've. Quite overdid it. <laughs> um, anyone got anything else? An amusing noise complaint. Oh, yeah. Uh, I saw. So this is a big sign that somebody left outside someone else's house when that person had been keeping them up all night with their loud music and their partying. And uh, the sign says, to the people that kept us awake all night by singing on the balcony, 2.23 a.m., pinball wizard, three out of ten. <laughs> Your performance of this would cause the band more shame than Pete Townsend's liberal attitude. <laughs> 3.15 a.m., Walk This Way, oh. the lowest point of the performance. <laughs> I hate this song. <laughs> One out of ten. But then, 8.20 a.m., so, you know, this Whoa. has gone on a while. Tiny Dancer, actually very good. Seven out of ten. <laughs> oh, yeah. uh, I think they're well. a bad critic, because that's very good. Seven out of ten is a little bit... <laughs> a bit harsh, isn't yeah. it? Yeah, yeah. yeah all right, time for our final fact of the show, and that is Andrew Hunter-Murray. My fact this week is that the giant squid's brain is wrapped around its throat, so if it eats anything too large, it risks brain injury. <laughs> it feels like a design flaw, doesn't it? It does. It's so good. I know, but they've got to do a lot with a little space, because they've got yeah. this thing called the mantle, which is basically everything except the tentacles, and they have to fit a huge amount of stuff in there, and so they feed through this... Uh, sort of the hole in the middle of the mantle and they you know they have a beak and they have all sorts of strange features and so their brain is wrapped around their esophagus yeah how mm, stressful crazy. yeah every meal <laughs> every meal <laughs> that would put me off eating if yeah. i was going to be brain damaged you every just time have I to chew. you just have to chew that's all it is <laughs> yeah and this is one of very few things that we know about the giant squid because we know so little yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't know how they hunt we don't know whether how many species there are there might be they think there might be up to eight different species of yeah. giant squid so they've obviously got eight tentacles but then they've got two feeding tentacles as well so the feeding tentacles can stretch out to 33 feet. That's what they found in like... So imagine you've seen like a squid ages away and you're like, I'm pretty safe here. It can just lob these two feeding arms yeah. and grab you and bring you back like a, like a wow. big tongue on a, yeah. on a lizard. But they won't be able to swallow you, Dan. You're way bigger than that. Oh, I, I was in my head, as I said that, I was a fish. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was picturing myself swimming along going, oh, I'm safe here. <laughs> Eating Although, Nemo. They are huge. <laughs> They are, they are the size of a bus, aren't they? They are what? enormous. They, what? Some of them are, yeah. Some of them are as long. So basically the maximum length, including the tentacles, is 13 metres. Yeah. And half of them will be the feeding tentacles. But still, that's, uh, that's, that's big. That's a cheat, though, I would say, because if you grew like an eyebrow hair really, really <laughs> long, you could say, wow, I'm actually this length. Because th those are just two little tentacle arms. You count your legs when you're talking about how tall you are. Well, I know, but <laughs> if you, care, you count your arms, which are your feeding yeah, tentacles. Yeah, if, if I'm talking about a bus, I'm not going to talk about a bus that has two extra poles hanging out the top and going, get on my massive well, bus. Of you say, get on my massive poles. <laughs> there was footage of that one um, kind of washing up next to a ship. Uh, I want to say it was fishing just off like uh, maybe the Alaskan coast. But it was, I mean, quite big, and it was caught in one of the nets, and they, it mm. took them forever to, to disentangle. Yeah, I mean, it was, uh, but it was big. I mean, it was, I mean, and this was a big ship, you know, this yeah. one of the, yeah. the, the the crabbing ships, 
And Christ, it was half, like maybe three quarters as long as the ship itself. Oh, yeah. I was, it was like, oh, God. No. <laughs> Someone called like the, the squid police in Weymouth, I think. The squid, <laughs> the squid police. police. Yeah. Um, Is that the official name? Yeah, that's what you call it. It's 9910. Um, okay. 9910 tickles. <laughs> oh, well done. Someone called the squid police uh, saying the giant squid's washed up on a beach and it turned out to be a mink whale, which is huge. So they look like whales when they're dumped on beaches. So these yeah. huge formless huge lumps. lumps of right. Wow. Yeah. Mm. And they have the biggest eyeballs in nature, don't they? Yeah. Um, gigantic eyeballs. Um, yeah. So all animals, I think um, the eyes evolved one time, but I think the squid, I think the eyes evolved completely separately, even though they do exactly the same thing. So it's like eyeballs have evolved twice in two different types of animal. Really? Is that, I think that, that's right. Is that because of the depths that they have yeah, to Yeah, I with? think that's right. Probably. Yeah. I was, I was looking into why they have these enormous eyes, and there's a really good paper from 2012 by a team led by Dan Eric Nilsson, just shout out to him, um, that is to help them spot sperm whales, who are their main predators. Oh, and they've got- so he did a paper, and the question was, why do they have eyes? And the answer was, so they can see things. No, no, hang on. <laughs> but why they're three times wider than almost any other animal, right. apart okay. from colossal squid, which are the other kind. Anyway, oh, yeah. never mind them. Um, so <laughs> sperm whales are the main things that hunt them, and 600 metres down, using an eye that size you could spot 120 meters away a sperm whale but sperm whales have got sonar so they can they can identify a giant squid from a long way away so it's really just to give them any kind of advantage and a head start in getting away and lots of sperm sperm whales when they wash up when they die they've got scars all over them which we think are from grappling with squid and their enormous tentacles. Oh, is that tentacles. what it's from? I was wondering what that yeah. was when I was looking at the pictures of those ones that washed up. They've got those scratches all down their backs. Yeah. Oh. Wow. And they think that about three quarters of everything sperm whales eat is giant squid from the number of wow. sp- um, squid beaks they find in the stomachs oh, of the whales. Wow. So that it's a huge, they have these enormous battles underwater. That's There's probably one happening oh. right now. Yeah, right, right at this moment. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know squid ink? Mm-hmm. So yeah. it's not just, personally, but you know, we have mutual friends. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's a metal band. You guys, are yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah, they're from Sheboygan, Wisconsin. <laughs> Shout out, Squid Ink. Squid Ink. So um, they they actually do two batches of Squid Ink that go out when they're using it as a defense system. So the first batch is kind of pure ink. It's very inky, and it's meant to create a blob so they can create a distraction. The second batch is a more mucusy. Mm. little bit of ink so it's mixed with mucus and the idea is that when they spit this out that they are creating a shape that looks exactly like them so it's like a decoy it's like this this weird squid looking decoy so it's like a squid hologram exactly and they've they've got video observation of animals that were going after the squid then going for this and being like whoa what, what where's the squid and he's off that's wow. so yeah, cool. I love that. Yeah. That's amazing. That is rad. That's intelligent. Yeah. Um, male squid have to be quite careful what they do with their sperm. Because the way they inseminate a lady squid uh, is they deposit these sperm packets, uh, these spermatophores, uh, into a little pouch on her body. Um, but she loves to eat them. That's really what she likes doing best, is to get like reach around with her tentacles, pick the sperm out and eat it. Right. So that's obviously a problem for the man, because, uh, or the male squid, um, <laughs> because that means that he, you know, he doesn't get his offspring out of her because she's just eaten his potential offspring. If I had um, a nickel. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I was miles away. Well, you... <laughs> You can empathize. There you go. So when she eats the sperm that you may have deposited on her, um, it actually helps her to develop her unfertilized egg and so helps out the next guy, his competitor that comes along. So 
You've got to really make sure that... So that's why sometimes when you deposit your sperm into a female's pouch, they try and get it really, really deeply in because so that she can't mm. actually reach around to it and, and get it out. Blimey. Another species called the coastal squid, and it's usually the bigger males that are successful with the females, but there are also sneaky males or sneaker males, and they're much smaller. But what they do is when the female is about to lay her egg, she lays it out of her front, mm-hmm. and they deposit sperm on her face. And then when the... Um, egg comes out then it kind of collects their sperm and their sperm's much bigger than the other males ah. I'm not sure we can safely say anything about that <laughs> yeah. I'm back here just biting my tongue yeah. <laughs> oh. Corey's like those nickels are really piling oh up today oh my god <laughs> giant, giant squid have penises but other squid don't do you think they ever like uh, trick people by saying I have a giant squid penis and then it's unclear which bit the giant is referring to? I like to think they do. I hope they do. Yeah. So you're saying it's like, sorry, are you saying that it's a giant squid penis yeah. or or a giant squid penis? It's actually an extremely small giant squid penis. <laughs> Of all the giant squid penises I've had to deal with. And I'm just saying, there's been quite a few. Yours is by far the smallest of the batch. I was just reminded of that. Are you saying four candles? Yeah. You're saying four candles. That was the in, four candles. In an original draft of the sketch, it was about giant squid penises. <laughs> I've learned so much today. I'm so happy. So, this is a really gross idea. So, there was a woman in uh, South Korea recently who was eating squid so we all eat squid we call it calamari for reasons I don't understand Um, but she was eating some boiled squid in a restaurant and uh, she suddenly felt a pain in her tongue and it turned out the squid wasn't quite dead and it was a male squid and it had deposited its sperm packet into her tongue so she felt horrible pain in her tongue and then felt lots of stuff crawling around inside her tongue and had to go to hospital and they took out um, a whole bunch of sperm and apparently this does happen a bit like there's been reports in Japan of it happening that's so fucked up (laughs) I will never fucking eat that shit again. Oh my god. Fucking hell. Fuck that. Vegetarianism, here you come. It had to be in the tongue. Why? Okay, that's it. That's all of our facts. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to get in contact with any of us about the things we've said over the course of this podcast, we can be found on Twitter. I'm on at Schreiberland. James. At Eggshaped. Andy. At Andrew Hunter M. Corey. At Corey Taylor Rock. And Chazinski. You can email podcast.qi.com. Yep, that's right. Or you can go to at QI Podcast. That's the group Twitter handle. Or go to no such thing as a fish.com. That's our website. We got all our previous episodes up there. Thanks so much for listening. We'll see you guys again next week. Goodbye. <laughs>